everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Anthony, and this is Bottom Bracket Biking Podcast. A couple's guide to biking. Welcome to episode 25. Anthony, does it feel like we've done this 25 times? Uh, almost. We've almost come up on the year. And I would like to point out that I am in my uh, biker cosplay outfit. <laughs> so I could get in the, the feeling. Pretending to be a biker today? Well, not pretending. I just got done biking. And I decided I'm going to wear my outfit while recording. Makes <laughs> it feel more authentic. I'm a so, method actor. So yeah, episode 25. Thanks for being with us for this long. Today, we are going to be talking to Dan Roberts about the Snaggy Ridge 105 and then talking about what to expect for your first race or gravel ride. So either mountain bike race or gravel race or ride. Yes. What to expect when you're... Wait, no. No. What to expect when you're racing. Yes. Yeah. That one. That one. But first, we've got a lot of events for you guys. Yeah. Let's get to that. The first event that we have is the virtual... MBCC Bike for Prevention Bikeathon. It's Monday, April 19th through Sunday, April 25th. It's like a, a virtual ride, so it can last for the whole week. But it benefits the Massachusetts Breast Cancer Coalition. It's a bit of a mouthful. There's a bunch of information on here. Uh, go look it up if that's kind of a thing that you're interested in, a virtual ride for a good cause. And sign up for it. Uh, $40 for individuals or your whole family. Five people can do it for 150 so go check it out. The next ride that we have is the Ragbray Roadshow Sock Rail Trail. This is April 24th in Carroll, Iowa. It's 24 miles. And this is kind of cool. So starting in 2020, apparently Ragbray Roadshows were developed as like pop-up events to showcase bicycling trails across the state, which I hadn't heard of yet. That's awesome. Yeah, I wonder if they did that because of uh, COVID. Probably. they didn't have the actual Ragbray. So yeah, starts with a ride at one o'clock. There is a roadshow festivities and then live music seven to ten. So check it out if you're interested in that. Yeah. Next up, we have the Trail to Nowhere. Saturday, April 24th. That would be next weekend after this comes out. Manning, Iowa. And it is just a six mile loop around Manning, Iowa. There is a registration for it. And it looks like there's going to be a couple events that mentions a silent auction and prizes here. So if you're around Manning, Iowa next weekend, maybe uh, check that one out. The next event we have is not a ride at all. And this is one I'm really excited for. It is down the Kaskokwim, I think I'm saying that right, film. It is at Captain Roy's here in Des Moines, um, Friday, April 30th from 7 to 9. And it is a video by David Mabel. You might have heard of him if you've been following Steve Cannon. So Mabel did the film Thousand Miles to Nome that kind of told the story of uh, when Steve Cannon did the Thousand Miles to Nome. So I did a rod trail. But yeah, check that out if you're in Des Moines and interested or not in Des Moines and willing to drive to see it. Are they showing that video then or is it a different video? They're showing the this is the film it is. It's down the Kuskokwim. Oh. New one. Oh, is that put on by a uh, uh, expand? Yeah. Is Steve Cannon going to be there? It doesn't say. The man, the myth, the legend? I don't know. All right. We'll go find out then. And that is what date? It is April 30th. All right. So Friday. Friday. Uh, we have a party ride here for you people who like to party. The High Trestle Trail 10-year anniversary ride. It is May the 1st, Saturday. Uh, that would be two weeks after this comes out, just about. And it's at the High Trestle Trail, Fat Tire Lounge. Just go for a ride with live music and drink specials at Fat Tire Lounge, Night Hawk Bar and Grill, and Whistling Donkey. Sounds April like 1st. Fun. No, not April 1st. May 1st. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, April 1st. Do you have a time machine? Yeah, I'm a time traveler. Or are we planning for 2022? Yep. Okay, next event, Manila Madness. This is May 1 as well. There's a lot of things going on May 1. It is in Denison, Iowa. This is a 28-mile road ride. Registration starts at 8 o'clock. Ride will begin around 9 o'clock. Apparently, there is a lot of hills on this, so it says that serious trainers can do an additional section, which is 48 miles in total. Otherwise, just do the 28-mile Snacks and drinks will, drinks will be available, and they'll have jerseys for sale. Check it out. 
The next event that we have is IMBCS number two, Forkside Thrill Ride. That's a <laughs> mouthful as well. F-O-R-C. And that is at, yes, F-O-R-C. That is at Scott County Park. We actually had to check in with that. Apparently, the uh, where it normally is held, they had an issue with the bridge, so they had to move it. But that is Sunday, May 2nd. We will be talking about mountain bike racing. So sign up. First time, Cat 3, have fun. We will be there. Hope to see you there. We'll be there? We'll be there. Oh, cool. We'll be there. <laughs> um, this is also a good way to show like how Anthony gets ready for rides. Yeah, right. So yeah, this is the second race in the IMBCS series, which we talked to Rob Cook earlier this year. So we did not make it to the first race, so I am very excited to do this one. Yep. The next event is the BRAGC Bike Ride Around Green County. This is Saturday, May 8th. It starts at Thomas Jefferson Gardens of Green County. It's a party ride, and it is 36 and a half miles. Registration is $25 if you register by uh, May 1st. Otherwise, it is $35. Check it out if you're interested. The next event we have is the Silver City Century. Ooh, we've heard about that one. Well, we've heard about it. It's the Iowa Gravel Series, so it's the whole series. We talked to the race director, series director? Series director? Yeah, go listen to that episode. Uh, But it's in Silver City, Iowa. It is a 100K or 62-mile ride. So it's not too hilly or not too flat. A bunch of, a few surprises. I don't know what that means. From talking to the series director... Sounds like you had a bunch of interesting things planned. So go make that a fun event. May 8th, Silver City, Iowa. I think we're going to try to be there. So you might see us on course. And now for an event that is a little bit farther out, but still very interesting. Let's go talk about the Snaggy Ridge 105. Here we go. Welcome to the race director section. We have Dan here with the Snaggy Ridge 105. Say hi, Dan. They can't see you. Hi, guys. <laughs> Dan, you run the uh, the Snaggy Ridge, correct? That is correct. And as we always do at the top of the episode, what is your favorite bike that you're currently riding? Well, I got to give you two answers on that because I have my favorite bike. It's probably my my fat bike, my Advocate Watchman from 15. Again, I got some oh, little Thompson parts and some Envy parts hanging on there. I really like riding that one. But the one I ride the most is my Jameis Renegade. That's my gravel bike and in cedar county it truly is gravel so we call it a gravel bike but uh i have to go with it's probably my Jameis renegades i put you know the most mileage on because i live right on the gravel road (laughs) yeah i had a i had a Jameis full suspension bike it was like my first full suspension i bought it for like 600 bucks it was super old but it's really interesting how everybody seems to have like a different brand there's no like one overarching winner that's cool so the Snaggy Ridge ride that you put on, how long has that been going on for? So we're going into our fifth year this year. I say we're growing every year. Yeah, that's kind of what we saw with Swig. If you listen to that episode, they've been growing yeah. like like bananas, man. Uh, the first year, I like to know kind of what what made you want to put on the first first one. <laughs> that's that's part of the long story. Um, I'll give you the short one. So the first year, the Chamber of Commerce. Our director, she, for Tipton, she uh, went to a conference somewhere, kind of a how to save rural Iowa type of conference. And one of the ideas that came up was uh, have a, an event. You know, I was, I was in the bikes, you know, rag bra, all that stuff. And they knew I rode, rode bikes, rode gravel bikes. And I'd mentioned before, I said, you know, Cedar County has got some good gravel roads and uh, it'd be a good place to have a bike race. And they came to me and said, about this time of year, and says, uh, let's have a gravel road race. I'm thinking, okay, well, how about next year? No, let's have it this year okay, fine, fine. Let's do that. So then we, we threw one together and, uh, we put one on. It was September. It was in the September that year. So <laughs> we, we, we hurried together and put one, made it happen. And grown <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause a, a bunch of race directors I've talked to, it sounds like they work with the chamber of commerce from a, a rider perspective. I had always thought that it was just some, some dude typically that was just like, let's go ride a bunch <laughs> of miles. But it, it's interesting how a lot of these rides are kind of integrated with the community, if you will. The uh, gravel series was that way. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things about it is getting to go see, you know, the small town Iowa that you typically don't see if you're just driving through on 80 or 35. 
Yeah. And being from Knoxville, we have that quite a bit of there's, there's cool stuff there, but why would anybody usually stop? Right. You know, so. So I have a question. Did it start as a 105 mile race or did that, uh, how did that part come in? Well, I, it really, it ended up at 105 because I kept putting these routes together. I wanted to show off as much of Cedar County as I could. And I kept landing about 150. And <laughs> <laughs> so then I, and I remember, I remember an event down in Kansas I did a few years ago that was 200 plus And that, that's just not good for everybody. So I scaled it back. And we, if, if you look at our past routes, you'll notice we did kind of the east side of the county. Now we've done kind of the west side of the county. And guess what? I bet we go back to the east side pretty soon. But, uh, yeah, so that's when we scaled it back to 105. And, of course, the, the 105 is kind of, you know, everybody knows 105 in the bike industry. You know, it's you know, Shimano 105, you know, so it kind of rolls off the tongue. We didn't want to be like everybody else and say 100, you know. So we won't <laughs> it's not hard to find an extra five miles of gravel around here. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at your course maps and I love it. The one Oh five, because why not 65? Because I can 25. Cause I'm not crazy. Like, yes, that sounds perfect. <laughs> and, and we make it so pe- they're very, they're doable. It's we don't have just stupid elevations or super hard roads or anything. It, you, if you show up, you'll be able to finish one of those links if you're ready for it. It's it's not super hard. Yeah, the those those types of uh, options, the kind of long ways, the medium and the short are are my favorite because me and Jen can go and we can just kind of have what we like to do. Um, and it fits our our podcast idea pretty well too because it's not for for racers. It's for you know the, the person who wants to go and ride and maybe challenge themselves. Maybe not. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get my mom out on a gravel event this year and she doesn't want to do hundred K. So looking at the 25 mile off, I'm like, yeah, I could probably talk her into that. Which, I could talk my parents into doing 25. It's so cool because then you get more and more people out there and maybe next year they do want to try the 65 or the 105. And then that's how you get these races that keep growing. Did, did you, you have the multiple? Yeah. Did you have the multiple options when you first uh, started? Yes, we've ever since the beginning, because we're, we're kind of like you, my, my wife isn't as addicted to cycling as I am. So, you know, a, a shorter route as opposed to a longer route would, would make more sense for her. So we've always kind of gone with that because when we, our first two years, we tried to make it a family event with the city. We had kid race, we had food trucks, we tried, we tried to do all that. And then we've had to, we've kind of scaled it back to simply focusing on a bike race now, because that's, that's been the most successful for us so far. But, uh, yeah, we, we like to, we like to let everybody participate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What, uh, what kind of numbers did you see kind of that first year and then going forward? I know, for example, uh, Corey, he had like five people the first year and like 50 the next year. So year one, year one, we shared, we shared the weekend of that cycle cross race in Iowa city. Um, yeah, which was kind of on purpose because it fit with what Tipton could do. It fit with the, the people's schedule here at Tipton. Fine, let's put it on. And we said, oh, we're going to learn from this. We get five people or we get a 50 people, whatever. We're going to learn from this. I think we ended up with 23 that year, maybe 24. And one hurt his collarbone, couldn't show up, whatever it was. But yeah, uh, yeah so we ended up with 20-some people that year. And that we thought, holy cow, this is pretty good. And then we, then the next year we grew to about... No, I'm going to say we went to about 60, 60, 70. I think we had about 70 people. That was the year of a monsoon right before the race. And then the, then the next year we, we went over a hundred registered. That was the year we had a monsoon during the race. <laughs> and, then, and then last year, last year we put out 140, I believe it was 144 riders. We had 163 registered over five or six states. Um, oh, wow. So, I mean, Missouri, Illinois, Wisconsin, clear up to Green Bay, Minnesota, Georgia. I mean, we had we had a lot of people signed up, um, but it was the, the growth has been fantastic, and it really feels like a community. But the people people send me messages, you know, are we going to go on this road? Are we going to do that? Or are we going to see this again? You know, and it really it's really fun for me because I'm kind of at the middle of it, and, and it's a lecture work for me, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that growth is. Uh name recognition or because people are recognizing just Iowa as a whole has all this like these 
interesting gravel events. I, I don't expect you to know the answer, but I keep seeing that with these races of like five years ago, not much. And then they just keep growing like crazy. And pulling in people from out of state too. That's something we've yep. heard from a couple different people now. Yeah. My, my take on that would be where, I mean, gravel is, it's expanded. I mean, every, every bike company pretty much has a gravel quote unquote bike now. Um, it just, it's, it's getting there and people, people are figuring out that it's kind of fun to get off the main roads. Yeah, I guess you're right. Everybody seems to have a gravel bike now. So it probably is just kind of exploding. Or they show up on a fat bike. I've seen that in a lot of races too. Oh man. Gravel on a fat bike. If you read our uh, rider stories, Mandy Young last year did the 105 on a fat bike and fantastic effort by her. Lesson oh, yeah. I love my fat bike. Cannot, I cannot imagine 105 miles on that thing. <laughs> I've ridden a lot of Cedar County on my fat bike and uh, no, nope, I'd go back to the Renegade for 105. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I, I, that's what gave me the idea is I went through the, the rider stories. I saw that. I was like, man, I, that's, I don't know. So that's something else. Speaking of which, we were looking at your website and I just want to say, I absolutely love what you have up here. Just all of the information of like, Hey, you want to know what this is going to be like? Here's a picture. Here's a map. We drew on it. Here's some stories. Like yep. that's awesome. Go Cause it can be freaky being like, yeah, I'm going to go to a place I've never seen before and pitch myself out on a gravel road. Goodbye. I'll see you in five hours. Like yep. I've that, been doing i've been doing bike races since like 2000 and and we we've grown from all these experiences we've had you know we need to not do this or not do this or we gotta make sure all the information is on point right in front of you that was one thing we really focused on you you click it up and there it is shoot i think you go to our twitter page and you that's it's right there you know date and time and place so yeah for those who are listening at home um you got a pretty nice website i like it yeah, SmaggyRidge105.com. Check it out. I like we it. Have a, we have a great IT wizard. <laughs> Is it you? Are you bragging no. on yourself? It's Chris Buckman. He'll know. Okay. <laughs> so, so, go ahead. I was just going to ask, what sort of challenges did you have last year with COVID? I'm sure that uh. changed some of it. <laughs> Good response. Oh, where do I start? Okay, let's go back. So last year, March 1st, we opened registration. We had like 12 people right away signed up. Um, and then, of course, March happened and nobody signed up for a couple months. And we were looking at COVID thinking, all right, this isn't going to be gone right away. You know, the message we were getting was by June. Yeah, it's pretty well gone. Well, obviously it wasn't. So if you were to go back through my social media timelines, which is me, um, it's you'd notice we kind of went blank during the summer. Well, that was probably because we were trying to decide if we were going to have the dang thing or not. Are we on? Are we off? I bet we were on or off four times up until September. Then my wife and I sat down on, on Labor Day weekend and said, can we do this or not? We put together a plan. (laughs) We sketched together a plan and we, we did it. We we decided, all right, we're going to stick to it. The CDC is showing this, the state of Iowa saying this, the County says this, this is what we got to do. Um, so that was the biggest thing was the, are we on, are we off? And then of course we didn't go after trying to get a lot of sponsors. I mean, we had great local help, um, our bike shops, the, the, the mainstay that really helped us, but, uh, you know, so we didn't have, we didn't have a big outreach of sponsors. We still had, we th- I mean, we threw this thing together. It felt like to us, but we still put on a pretty good event, I'd say, and a lot of good feedback, but, uh, that was the biggest thing was, we spent four months of going, maybe we do it, maybe we don't. But uh, coming coming back through September when we just figured that we're going to do it and we stuck to our guns and we put it together. And then we, then the day of, that was that was so interesting, trying to get all the scoring correct because we couldn't have a mass start. That is a real challenge. Um, and, and actually kind of worked pretty good. Um, the drive up. The drive up check-in, I got a feeling we're going to do that again because our volunteers loved it. We had a lot of people come back, um, come out of that saying that was one of the best things ever. Best, you know, just stay in your car. The volunteer will come to you, sign the paper, move on to the parking area. So mm-hmm. that was a, that was a challenge. We had no idea how that was going to go. Uh, even with a lot of people from out of town, it still went very well. Um, so that was those are the, probably the biggest challenges we had the yeah. logistics the day of and then the setup of go or not go 
it was hard enough deciding to go to events last year. I cannot imagine. I have a lot of respect for the people who are putting them on and making those calls. COVID sucked. I'm glad. I'm glad something okay came out of it. <laughs> I was looking on your website here, and it looks like the the registration money it goes towards different groups, right? Yeah. So this this year, as in last year, it is going to the Cedar County coordinated child care center it's five c's I'm, I'm yep. mm-hmm. you got sure. it but uh it goes to them that's where our, our two kids go for the for daycare and after school it's it's the it's the pre-k i mean you know it, it's the center in town that takes care of takes care of a lot of kids um last year they had to make the super difficult decision to when covid came in and do they stay open do they not stay open how many employees you know because the dhs or uh, yeah, the, the health department, you know, they, their registration or regulations didn't change either. So they still had to have ratios and everything. And they basically made the decision that we're going to go forward, even though we know we're probably going to lose money because they didn't have as many kids. And that, that was the thing that really spurred us on that Labor Day weekend to say, okay, we got to do this because they need help. They're going to do a fundraiser. This is probably safer than having something, a bake sale in a church basement, basically. You know what I'm saying? So we thought we could come up with a good plan. That's where it goes this year. In the past, it has gone as a Chamber of Commerce event to raise money to have more events. Um, but this, this last year and this year, it's definitely going to the to the, the Sycamore Center, the Cedar County Coordinated Child Care Center. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the five C's. Five C's, yes. So you were saying that, uh, oh, that hashtag, the support local or rural's not dead, I think, right? Rural Iowa isn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> and this ride, you know, it directly, directly benefits that. It's not just come to the town. It's also the, the money you put in is going to to the town beyond just the one day. Yep. Yeah. yeah that, and, that. And, and even just to the fact of showing off, like, for example, us tipped in Iowa. I mean, we're not a dead community. I mean, we've we've got thirty two hundred people here. We live, we work, we, we have a grocery store. I mean, we got, you know, it's, it's a real town. It's not dead, you know, nine miles off the interstate, nine miles off of highway 30, you know, rural Iowa, it's, it's still here. We're, we're still doing it. Um, we like it here. You guys even have a grocery store. That's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, family foods. <laughs> Does Velisca have a grocery store? Yeah, they got something. <laughs> They've got a Casey's. Yeah. So is there anything else that you think people should know coming into this race? Um, oh, one thing we we do and we've gotten good response and a lot of people taking advantage of it. We call it the bailout option. If you sign up for the 105 and that day of you get 50 miles in, you just say, no, nope, can't do it. You can turn off and you can finish the 65 and we'll give you credit for it. So there's there's no you don't have to DNF the 105. Uh, okay. That's nice. That, so we've had quite a few people take advantage of that, actually. Um, so we like when we started off, our mission statement is we want to be the most rider-friendly event possible. And that's what we base our decisions around is how can we how can we help the riders? You know, great swag bags at the at check-in and things like that. So that probably helps a bit with your uh your numbers to people who think, well, I don't know if I can do this. They have a, a plan B. Mm-hmm. I know that's a, a lot of race directors fight that of, you know, a hundred people show up and or sign up and only 80 people show up. So don't do that. It's not cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, last question that I have, tell us a little bit more about this monsoon that hit while we had riders on the course. So let's see, 2019, 2019, it kind of it kind of been a joke that the Snaggy Ridge 105 will go off come hell or high water, um, because the year before we had we had six inches of rain in the six hours before the race and it stopped during the race, so everything was soggy, kind of like it is today. Um, but then, so we thought, okay, well the next year's got to be better. It was hot first year, it was wet the second year, the third year's got to be great. So we wake up that morning and like, hey, it hasn't rained. We're we're good. We get out there, we look at the radar, I think, oh no, there's, <laughs> there's kind of a storm coming in with that. No, you know, it's, it's rain. looks like it's going to pass through. We send everybody out at nine o'clock. Sure enough, by, I don't know, 1030, I think it was that day, 
we're just getting deluged with rain and we, and we have a pickup. We have, we have my, my phone number is on all those name plates and you call me, we're going to get a truck in route to you to pick you up. So that was, we had to use that quite a bit that day. Um, we had a lot of people still finish the one Oh five even. And, but it was, we got hit with a lot of rain, some lightning, you know, and everybody, everybody's out on course and, and we're just, you know, use your best judgment type of thing and give me a call if you need to. But that was, that was a, that was a big rain event. <laughs> yeah. That's gotta be, that's gotta be nerve wracking from a director perspective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think uh, all these gravel rides, we're going to get a reputation of just Iowa weather being just brutal. You've got the rain, Swig's got the heat. Let's not have any derechos during bike events. That could be bad. Well, everything Sarah Cooper does has got the cold, apparently. Oh, my goodness. Yep. That's bad. Yep. I was going to say, that's why she's uh, she goes after us. So she, she takes the cold, we take the wet. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, she as a person is getting a reputation, but I think Iowa, just as a state, is going to get that here if we keep this up. It's yeah. brutal. Iowa can be brutal. Can be? We have like four to good days a year and we were sick for it. Right. Those were nice days. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We're, we're a little bit sad about that. And I just got my bike back from the shop and it showed up and the weather was perfect and I couldn't go ride it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. So well, I think that's a, all the questions that we had. Thank you very, very much for talking to us today. And this is a race that we've never had a chance to check out. So that's definitely something that we hope is going to change in the future here. Yeah, we'll, we'll the other, definitely. The other thing I would add, now that you mentioned last thing, is we don't do mud roads. So we do, we make it even more difficult on the director in saying we're going to have, we set up two routes, one with dirt roads, one without dirt roads. So we have a dry route and a wet route. And, you know, we, we try to make the decision the night before and say, is it going to be wet or dry? And then that's the course we put out there. So yeah. You, we don't, you do, we don't, don't do the mud roads. Yeah, a lot of people don't do that, or a lot of a lot of race directors, I think, have that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, well, that's all I think, and uh, we will talk to you later. I'm I'm planning on signing up for it. Yeah, this looks like a really fun course, and who knows, maybe I can drag my mom over and get her to do the short ride. There yeah, you go. if we're able to make it, we'll we'll go over there. Can't wait to see you. Well, have a wonderful day, and sure. everybody, check out Snaggy Ridge 105. Yep. Thanks for coming on, Dan. See you later. Back to you, Anthony. So the next part of this episode is if you're listening to a race director interview and thinking, that sounds really cool, but I have no clue what to expect because I've never done that before. This is for you because there can definitely be some interesting things when you first get into official rides or races or You know, there are some gravel rides that you can do it as a race. You can do it as a ride. What does that mean? What do you, how do you know what to do? Lightning update. There are no gravel rides that I can do as a race. (laughs) (laughs) I had my butt handed to me. But yeah, that's something that maybe you need to know. Well, or you hear that it's a race versus a ride. What does that mean? Can I still show up if I'm not a a racer? Yes. Yes, you can. I do everything as a ride. Yeah. As most things I do is that way as Mm -hmm. well. And if you have done a bunch of these, then sit tight. You get to hear our experiences about doing this kind of stuff of just your average Joe. Yeah. Fairly average. (laughs) I think is actually one of the first points I want to make is if you're thinking about going and doing something and you're intimidated by it, go do it. Like no one is going to judge you for showing up and wanting to be part of the community. People are going to be excited that there are new riders coming in and you're only going to get better. So, like, what's the downside? You get to go ride a cool place with cool people and try something out. Yeah, I would say the only caveat to that is make sure you're fairly certain you can do that distance. Oh, yeah. I think that should be a given. Don't sign up for 100 miles if you've never done more than 20. So, let's get into what you should expect, you know, signing up for a gravel ride and go from there. And then if you're interested in mountain biking, we're going to talk about that after we hit gravel. Yeah, we'll start with uh, the gravel rides. We've been talking, you know, you have a lot of things online. You can find everything on Facebook, typically 
Bike Iowa is a really good resource. Most things end up directing you to bikereg.com. You can actually go there and search. Every once in a while, there's an issue with the search function there. But if you're just looking for different events, I've had an issue with the search function on it a you couple have. of times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Apparently, Jen just has technical issues. I was going to say. <laughs> Anyhow, Anthony's not experienced that. So bikereg.com can sign up there and you'll usually get some sort of information, an email, you know, you'll be watching Facebook, there'll be information, you might get an email when you first register, you probably will get a confirmation. And then you probably won't hear all that much until maybe two weeks, probably a week before the race. And that's when you'll get kind of the last minute like, hey, don't forget you signed up for this. This is where parking is. This is what we're thinking. Like, if it's potentially bad weather, this is the backup plan. This is the rain course. If there is a GPS or GPX file, they'll send that out. But yeah, that's kind of the information you get beforehand. Yeah, and we're talking kind of day of and just a few days before. Uh, you got to Google to find the races, but mm-hmm. we just told you a whole bunch of them. So go sign up for one and find out yourself. <laughs> Or listen to back episodes and, you know, find the ones that you're interested in when the race director is talking about it. Yeah. Uh, I would say the thing with the gravel rides versus like mountain biking, I think gravel rides are a lot more chill. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a good place to kind of get in on the ground floor. I guess how far ahead do you kind of start planning for a ride? Like, let's say we had a a gravel ride this Saturday Mm -hmm. and... One, you're going to assume that you're in decent enough shape. This isn't, you know, training. It's more of once you're going to the event, right? I think so. If we have it on Saturday, and it kind of depends what I have going on during the week. If I know I have a busy week, I'll do most of my planning the weekend before. Just like I've got my bag ready to go. I've got everything kind of planned out. I've checked the weather. I know what I'm wearing. I'm going to keep an eye on the weather, but I, I know what's going on. If I don't have a busy week, I'd probably get it ready on Wednesday just so if I find like, oh crap, I need shoe covers and mine ripped, I have time to go get a new one, which doesn't typically come up in the summer in Iowa, but that kind of idea. And yeah, it it gets me in the right headspace and I just have a couple days to think through it and figure out that I haven't forgotten anything major. Yeah, I usually, I'll, I won't bike for a day or two before before the race. And that way I'm, I'm a little more fresh and ready to go. But as far as like clothing and stuff goes, I usually get ready. If it starts at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday, I'll start preparing at like 7.30 a.m. Oh, yeah. Anthony is completely <laughs> like, I am the planner. I will know exactly what kit I'm wearing. I have all of my food loaded. I've gotten out the specific water bottles I'm taking. And we'll get up that morning and I'll literally like fill them up with water and put them on my bike, and Anthony's like, huh, let's get stuff together. I wake up and go, oh, crap, I got a ride to do today. <laughs> but I think that's really all the prep work. I mean, make sure you have your GPS file on your on your Garmin or whatever. If they're doing that. If you're doing that, yeah. And make sure you're in shape, but bring the stuff you normally would. You know, you, this it shouldn't be stressful. Yes. Getting, getting ready. You should know how far you're going, and what you're going to need to go that far. And you should not be changing anything major. Like, do not change your nutrition. Do not change, like, start wearing a completely different style of clothing. Like, stick to what you've been training in. Even if you think it's not ideal, it's better to know what you're getting into than have something end up being horrible. I think race and rides are um, all about the preparation. Like, once you get to that it's just a matter of doing what you already know how to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe do it a little better, maybe do it a little harder, but it shouldn't be a huge shock. I did a 150-mile gravel ride one time and had <laughs> not biked more than 75 miles. That was rough. Leading up to it. And that is what we call a mistake. Oh, yeah. That was a bad idea. That was painful. Yeah. I finished it, but I ended up, I ended up hurting myself pretty badly. Because of it, I've talked. we've talked about it a few times mm-hmm. on here. And a big part of that was that I wasn't just doing what I knew I could do. I was doing something new and adventurous and crazy. And that's not a great way to go into it. Yeah. So one thing that I want to hit on before we get too far away from this is you mentioned GPS. So a lot of rides will send out a a, a ride with GPS, a, you know, Garmin Connect, a Strava, something like that 
file for you to load onto your bike computer, your smartwatch, your cell phone, whatever it is that you use, and you follow that throughout the course. So that is something to absolutely make sure you have done that. Do not try to load it the day of. You need to make sure it is loaded the day before and that you can turn it on and everything pops up and looks like what you expect. I actually recommend like doing that. It doesn't have to be the race file, but don't have race day be the day that you decide you're going to figure out how to use GPS on your whatever device. Because it took me like an... Granted, we've said that I'm technologically challenged, but it took me two tries to actually figure out what buttons to hit and not completely just freeze my device up. So that's one thing that I always double check just because I've had issues with it. And then the other thing is, if you're not doing that, making sure that you have cue cards. So why don't you tell us about the cue cards that you did for um, Spotted Horse? I prefer R cards. R cards? Mm -hmm. What are those? They're like Q, but they're R. They're not as good as S, though. Anthony. (laughs) What is wrong with you? <laughs> My brain. Uh, cue cards, yes. So, the spotted horse. So, what are cue cards? They're cards that you put a letter Q on. They are cards that tell you what is coming up so you don't get lost. It's essentially a list of directions. And they are a lost art form. This is one thing that when you sign up for an event, uh, maybe make sure that they're going to send out the GPS coordinates or the GPS route. Because 95% of rides do that. Almost all rides do that. Yeah. Or maybe like, you know, what's going on this weekend, the Iowa Wind and Rock of 340 miles. That's their thing. They only do cue cards. It would have been uh, yesterday's when it ended, when this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how many people finish this year. Weather is, knock on wood, supposed to be good. But th- that's part of the, the signing up, is making sure you know what you're getting into. Because there are some events that only give cue cards. But... I would love to talk about my cue card adventure. Yes, please do. Uh, the reason that I went on only cue cards for a 150-mile ride was not because I didn't have the GPS coordinates, but because I was poor. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have a, a like a Garmin device at the time. I just had my, my watch, and my watch didn't do any GPS stuff. Yeah, it's the Garmin 235 that would track your GPS, but it wouldn't tell you what to do with it. Yeah, so I went through the map, and then I wrote directions on a piece of paper turn by turn directions on a piece of paper and then it was i think it was one sheet front and back i did it again on a second sheet of paper in case the first one uh got wet and you got a special type of like water resistant paper or something right yeah i got like a waterproof paper and a pen that wouldn't wouldn't wash off in the rain which was a good idea and do you know how many wrong turns i took Mm, zero zero because after going through that course twice i had the whole thing completely memorized even after 12 hours of riding i'd be like man isn't like r avenue coming up here on the right and then i looked down and be like <laughs> yep and all my cue cards were it was crazy it just had an arrow and so like if i kept going through an intersection i would go for i would have an arrow forward and when i turned i would make an arrow like turning and then i'd have the name of the road and that was it um i'm I, gonna note here that anthony's really good at maps that like I am terrified of using cue cards. I've done it before because for a while there, we were still poor and Anthony had the only bike computer because he biked more. And I checked them like every single road because I did not have any of it memorized. Yeah. If you have to use cue cards, A, be extremely good at maps to begin with (laughs) and B, know 100% what's going on. But if you can avoid it, I would avoid it. And yeah, if you are using cue cards, make sure... You have a spare copy, put them in a Ziploc bag. I've seen a lot of people like put packing tape on their cue cards and then like zip tie them to their bike so you can like flip through them as you're going. I'm sure you could find pictures of that, but like make sure they're somewhat waterproof and that you don't have like or like that you do have a backup because don't think you're going to get cell service in the middle of nowhere and don't think you're guaranteed to get through on one set. It's, it's really good to have a backup. Yeah. Or just don't use cue cards if you can help it. Yeah. So, what else should you know your first day? You should know your first day? Your first race. Oh, your first race. Uh, if it is a race and it's like 100K, it's not a race. It's not a race for you, it, probably. <laughs> it is a race against 
your previous time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what I always go for is, you know, if I averaged 14 miles an hour last time, maybe I want to do 15. Or if I average 10, I want to do 11 instead. And that way I don't burn out trying to beat. I mean, I'm never going to win the race. You know? Yeah. And that way, too, you have an idea of, you know, what you should be doing when you start, because it can be really hard. You start in a group and you're like, oh, this is awesome. You're feeling the energy. They've got music playing at the start and you're going really hard, keeping up with the maybe the stronger riders who are planning on going faster than you because they train faster than you. And you get 20 miles into a 60 mile race and you're completely dead because you didn't pace yourself well. Yeah. Just plan to lose. Mm -hmm. Because if there's 100 riders, there's a 99% chance you're going to lose. Is that how that works? No, it's not. (laughs) Don't plan to go out and baby yourself, but don't go out there thinking that you have to win. Like, take care of yourself. It is a lot of gravel rides are long rides. You have a lot of time out there pretty much on your own you need to make sure that you don't get yourself into a bad situation. Just keep that in mind. Go into the mindset of you're going to go against yourself. Which comes back to kind of be prepared for how far you're going. Mm -hmm. Make sure you've done it before and then stick to that. Don't worry about all the people going faster than you because there will be new people from all over that you've never seen before. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So last year at SWIG, and I might have told this story because it's like burned in my brain. So I was doing the 50K and... I had turned onto this flat section for a while and was staring at this hill ahead of me, just like, I don't want to climb that hill. It was like, I don't know, mile 25. I didn't have that much left to go. I, my legs were a bit wonky and I got, I had a turn right before it. And so I was like extremely relieved that I didn't have to do this hill. And Corey Phillips blows by me on a single speed. He's doing the 100K. He's probably at mile 50 because he's that much faster than I am. And just like pedals off up this like, I don't know, looks like six to eight percent grade, 200 feet of hill. Just like, cool, I'm going to go find tacos because that's Corey. And he is a super strong rider. And did you take off trying to chase him? No, I turned on my course and pedaled slowly up my next hill and was like, Gosh, I want to be as strong as that guy someday. Well, so yeah, yeah just you're going to have things like that happen on the course, especially if you are on a, a 50K course and it goes with the 100K for a while. Like you're going to have the people who are riding at a different level than you. Appreciate it. Don't try to rabbit them. Yeah, you, you might a little bit, but by the time you've done it a couple times, you'll realize like, nope, don't care. I'm here for me. And that that's, that's what you should do. Be there for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could talk nutrition and all that, but that's something that you, uh, you know, you, you should have figured out ahead of time. You shouldn't be surprised by, oh, 30 miles in, I need a candy bar. Yeah. So one last thing that I want to make sure to note is when you're looking at timing for the race, make sure you look at when sign-in stops, because there are definitely some races where it might start at 10 o'clock, but they're going to stop sign-in at 9.30. And if you get there at 9.45, They'll probably help you sign in, but at that point, the race director and all the volunteers are heading out on course to get water stations set up. They're getting ready to do the pre-race meeting. They might be doing the pre-race meeting that early, and so you might be missing information that you need. So make sure you double-check the time that you need to be there to be signed in, and then give yourself a little bit extra time, because a lot of times there'll be a road or a yeah, a line of cars coming in off the road into whatever parking lot it is, and it can back up if everybody's coming at the last minute. Yeah, we usually try to get there at least an hour early mm-hmm. so we can sign in and get ready. Usually an hour is good. Anything more than that, you're like the crazy person that shows up to set the table up, which we've done before. Yeah, we've done that. Jen likes to be overprepared. Jen likes to get excited. And that's an hour ahead of race start, not an hour ahead of when you need to be checked in by. Like that was half an hour to get yeah. checked in and then half an hour of, okay, we're good. We're, we're going through our last minute checks and listening to that pre-race meeting. Yeah. All of that. All of that. Yep. Can we talk about mountain biking? Absolutely. Ugh. All right. So I've mountain biked the last five days in a row. I'm so excited about mountain biking. I just got my mountain bike back out of the shop. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. I had the fork rebuilt, and oh my goodness, I love that bike so much. This isn't about your bike. Okay, but (laughs) you talked about your ride, so fine. So, if you want to do mountain bike racing, 
Signing up is a little bit more complicated. Although if it's your first time, you're probably going to do cat three. And yeah, because it's not just distances, it's categories. So cat three is novice. Cat two is intermediate. If you're a dude, there's another option called comp, which is between cat two and cat one, just because cat two for guys is so big that they kind of slough off the top and put them in their own category. There's a lot of people who aren't beginners and aren't professionals, so they make two casual. If you're a lady, don't worry about it. You don't have that. In Iowa. In Iowa, which is, you know, our listener base. And then there's cat one, which is professional, which... If you should be in Cat 1, you're going to know that you should be in Cat 1. So if you don't know for sure, start at Cat 2 or Cat 3. Probably Cat 3 for your first one. Yeah, I I would recommend starting at Cat 3 if you're nervous about how fast you are. That is where, you know, you can go and just try it out. And honestly, Cat 3 usually goes at like, I don't know, 10 a.m. and everyone else goes at noon. So if it's one of those things where... You get done with Cat 3 and you're like, I totally could go farther than that. I'm a stronger rider. You can sign up for Cat 2. I have done Cat 3 in the morning and Cat 2 at noon before. I know other people who have done that too because it was, you know, they came in. It was their first race. They didn't know what to do. Did Cat 3. Were like, oh, I thought it was going to be harder than that. And then Cat it up. Like, that's an option. If you can ride your mountain bike okay on trails, you can do Cat 3. It's not super competitive. And it's not super hard. They usually don't go that far. So you can just get a taste of it without having, you know, to be overwhelmed. And because they go early, mm-hmm. they don't have to fight the other categories for, for traffic. Yeah. So you have less people who are either you're having to pass them or they're passing you. Occasionally, you'll run into the issue where you've got some of the Cat 2 and Cat 1 guys who are trying to warm up on the course, and they might get in your way. That should uh, happen. They, I've seen that happen. They can get out of your way, and you can tell them that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's really your only traffic is people who are warming up, which is they'll usually get over for you because they know that you're racing and they're not. But one of the other really cool things is that then you get done with your race, And then you get to watch the Cat 2 comp and Cat 1 people go. And so you get a good feel for like, oh, how do they start? How do they like, you know, is there a huge sprint? Where should I be in this group? Like all those things. I actually really, really enjoyed watching the start of the Cat 2 and Cat 1 races. And I'm going into Cat 2 this year. And so I have a good feel for what that's going to be like. I'm not really worried about it. I mean, I'm bracing as a woman in Iowa, so I'm not worried anyhow. There's going to be three of us, but I'm still not worried about it. Yeah, get this lady some competition. Please, show up and beat me. We have said that now for 25 episodes in a row. I'll be your friend, even if you beat me. Yeah, no, she will. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, one big difference between gravel and mountain biking is that mountain biking is USAC-officiated, so you have to have, like, a license. There's, like, an extra wrench thrown in there, but it's not scary. You can get a one-day license for, like, 10, Ten bucks. bucks. Yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, mountain biking is way different than gravel. Oh, yeah. In that when you pass people, it is the most stressful thing you will do in your entire life. Well, let's talk about starting before let's we get into passing. Let's talk about how you start. Uh, there are two types of starts. There's on-the-bike starts and there's Le Mans starts. Mm-hmm. Um, on the bike, you know, you have your bike, you, you go. Le Mans starts. Well, hang on. What? It, you don't start like on a trail. You're going to start oh, on yeah. a road or a field or double track or something where you can usually get like anywhere from four to 10 bikers wide and you take off and then you have anywhere from, I don't know, 100 yards to 400 yards to figure out your order before you go to the single track. Which is really helpful for kind of figuring out who's going to go first. Also, if you get stuck behind some people in that, which has happened to me, it is horrible. And then you have to pass everyone in the trees. But that's how it goes. Yeah, it starts off with this huge wide area that funnels down into the single track. So Mm -hmm. that functionally what happens is everybody sprints their butt off to get into the trail. And unlike, (laughs) unlike gravel, where you need to go your own pace and just kind of chill... Uh, if you go your own pace and just kind of chill on a mountain bike race, you're going to be stuck behind everybody. People not as everybody. Fast. 
Yes. And so then you'll get into the gravel, they'll burn out. And that's part of it. There's a bunch of strategy that in gravel you just don't have. Yeah, because gravel, it's like what? 20 foot wide and you can pass whenever you want to unless there's a car coming, which really doesn't happen that often. Like, yeah, like the, the best people on gravel have, uh, you know, drafting strategy and all this stuff. But even like the cat three people in mountain biking have to pay attention to uh, a bit of strategy. Yes, which and I think I've told this story as well, but I have literally witnessed an argument with three cat three women at a race of them saying, oh, you go first. Oh, you go first. Oh, you go first. So, like they wanted to go into the trees last because it was their first race and they were scared of having someone behind them. So like you're going to find things like that. If you want to go and you want to win, I guarantee you there's going to be somebody who's a little bit more hesitant than you when you're starting out. So like do not feel bad about it. Unless you're a male, in which case you're going to be ridden off the trail by psychopaths. Oh, no. If you're starting Cat 3, so... Oh, no. Cat 3, yeah. yeah, Cat 3's fine. The Cat 3 men that I rode with, heck, two summers ago, yeah, they were... Like, they never had that argument, but if one of them needed to pass the other one, or if I was passing one of them, or they were passing me, they were so chill and nice about it. Like, once you get into... Cat 2, and then especially Comp and Cat 1, like, people get more competitive and edgy. But when you're starting out, like, they're just there to have fun. Don't worry about that. Well, that's why I do Marathon, because it's, I don't like how competitive it is. Okay. (laughs) I don't like how angry people are. I derailed you, so Lamont starts. Talk about that. Oh, yeah, it's just the two different kinds of starts. The, The one is you have your bike like you think it would be, or you just line up in this big kind of group, and then you go, and you have that you know, a couple hundred yards to sort yourselves out. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is a Lamont start where we get to do the thing that we are the worst at, <laughs> which is run for f- like, what, 20 yards, Ish. 30 yards for no discernible reason, and then find your bike and then hop on it and then go. And there's some races that make you do additional BS like, oh, go find your shoe and put it on and tie it and then get your bike and then go, which have we ever done a race like that? We haven't. I've okay. heard about it. Yeah, I've heard about it too, but usually so. that's like cyclocross madness. Yeah, then, I know. And then Don't. they have a guy in the woods that jumps out at you in a bear costume. That's just cyclocross. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um. So yeah, then you get into the woods and you have passing to deal with. Yes. And you might be like, hey, passing on a single track, how's that work? And the answer is not great. Uh, that's part of the strategy, you know. You can practice this when you're riding even by yourself, just kind of pedaling and then getting used to jumping off the trail into like the loose stuff on the edge Mm -hmm. and then just gunning it to jump around. So let's talk about passing someone else and then let's talk about being passed. So passing someone else, you should absolutely let the person ahead of you know that you want to pass them, Um, especially if you're in cat three, because there will be people who are very, very, very uncomfortable with you passing them. Correction. You should let people know regardless. Well, no, but I said like especially. But yes, you absolutely should always let the person ahead of you know. And it's just something like, hey, can I get around you? And they don't have to let you around at that second. They can choose a place where they feel safe. Now, if they're just slowing down and not letting you around like at all, that is really bad on Run them off the rail. No, the but like they road. they shouldn't do that. But try to find a place, like let them know, hey, I want to pass when there's a good spot. And then be paying attention to what's coming up. So if there's a place where it wide, like the trail widens, you're prepared to get around them. And don't be sad about it, please. Oh, gonna have to beep that one. My favorite is when uh, oh, a couple of times I went to pass someone and I've gunned it. And uh, I can't get back on the trail in time. And there's like a turn coming up. And I've had to like break, turn, slide and drop into the trail and just be like, ah, sorry. (laughs) It is fun. Is that the word for it? Sure. Yeah. And then being passed. Yeah. So. Dive off the trail, right? No, No? absolutely not. So the person behind you should have said, "Um, hey, can I get around you? By the way, if you ever think you should race with earbuds in. Or with music playing? Oh, God, no, no. You shouldn't. You suck. I hate oh, you. Hey, like, can you bring it down a little? <laughs> no, because... Yeah, fine. F- you! Beep that one. Like, 
it's not the time to be listening to your music. You need to be aware of other people on the trail. And or, if you do listen to music, Jen hates you. So okay, think at, about that. No, at least don't here. have earbuds in. Please, for the love of all Jen. that is holy. Yes, we understand. So the person behind you should be asking or letting you know, hey, I need to get around you. You can either do what Anthony described to begin with, which is, you know, if you've got a little wider place or it's not a, a hill that you're riding on and you can pull over into the looser stuff and kind of give them like let them get around. That's one option. If you don't feel comfortable with that or if it's really tight, twisty, like you don't want to get off that tw- trail, you can just pull over usually to the right side, put your right foot down, stop for like two seconds, let them around and then go. Now, if you're going to do that and there's someone behind them, be aware that someone potentially is going to be like, oh, I'm passing two now. And then you're behind four people. So that may not be the best strategy. But if you're not comfortable being passed while you're still moving, that is a good option. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Just go figure. Just go do a ride and see what happens. I will say mountain bike races are one of the most the beginning of the mount of a cat two or comp mountain bike race <laughs> is one of the most intense, crazy things I have done on a mountain bike. And that's in Iowa because there's so many people, you know, even if there's only 20 people. Oh yeah. Total, that's a lot of people to put on that section of single track going as hard as they can. So I remember one race, I, I saw a guy go over the handlebars. I saw one guy who within like the first 15 minutes was on the trail being getting sick. He like went mm-hmm. too hard. And then that same race, a kid got in front of me uh, at the beginning, you know, that, that mm-hmm. the funnel is what I call it. Yeah. The, the original or the initial sprint. Yeah. This kid went as hard as he could, got in front of me and then immediately slowed down. And I was kind of pacing myself. So I rode his wheel to try to get him to get off the trail and he wouldn't get off the trail. Anthony might not be very nice when people do that. Well, this one made me mad because I tried to pass him two times in a friendly way mm-hmm. and he had he sped up so I couldn't pass him. And so after the third time of doing that, I was like, OK, then. And uh, I just made sure I just gave him a friendly, not a not a push. I just stayed right behind him. So he heard me every time I freewheeled mm-hmm. and he ended up running into a tree. <laughs> fine so I, we can laugh and not be horrible people i can't but. say that i have no idea what do you think i stopped for him i saw him later he was fine like we're fine i have no idea and that's one of those things where if you're nice people will be nice back but this guy i went to pass him two or three times and he hit the gas so i couldn't get around him and the thing is we're, you're all going almost as hard as you can mm-hmm. so when you go to pass someone you don't have much fuel to burn yeah so if they speed up and i was on the in the grass so he had an easier time Oh, man, so much angry. But the <laughs> beginning of a mountain bike race, just the whole thing is like, just go, 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 go. It's pretty much the complete opposite of gravel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you're hearing this and being like, oh, my goodness, I don't think I want to race mountain bikes now. Um, you have the option to start at the back of the pack and just chill. And then you can work your way up slowly if you want to pass people. And hopefully they're not horrible people like what Anthony was just describing. Or an I would highly recommend this if you have a race in your area, go and watch it. Kind of get a feel, like stand near the start and see, oh, this is what it's like. And then when you go to do it, it's at least not this complete alien thing. Yeah. Cat 3 doesn't have that problem. Marathon also doesn't have that problem. Cat 3, the worst part about Cat 3 is a lot of times you ride with the juniors. So there's these 12-year-olds who are, they sprint off and they're way faster sprinters than I am. And then same thing, I've had them slow down in front of me and they're 12 and potentially, you know, way more into this than I really am. And so they don't want to let you around. So you can absolutely run into that with Cat 3, but it's still more chill and less likely. Correct. Finally, marathon. We did not talk about that. There is a marathon category. And if you are a gravel rider who, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe isn't the best technically or you don't want to like be fighting for a position on a single track or uh, try okay or if you're just really a good long distance rider if you're not a sprinter yeah or if you don't want a bunch of stress marathon mm-hmm. is awesome because the beginning of a marathon ride is everybody just hanging out in the middle of a marathon ride when you need to pass someone they go please dear jesus 
past me so I can take a 30 second break. Now, the downside of that is you have to bike for either three or what is becoming more common, four hours. I think it's usually four. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are four hours now. They start out as three. I remember seeing those a couple years ago. But yeah, it's a four hour race and you just see how many laps you can do in that time. Yep. It is awesome. I recommend it if you can go that long and you don't want to fight for position or you don't want to go super fast. If you're an adrenaline junkie, Cat 2, Comp, oh man, it's so, <laughs> they are a ton of fun. Like, oh yeah. It sounds stressful. When you're in the middle of it, you don't have time to be stressed out. You just have time to be like, let's go. Like, I hate the first 10 minutes of a mountain bike race. I just, I get so nervous and stressed out. And then I kind of settle into my groove. And by that time, everyone's kind of figured out their position. And so you have like maybe one person that you need to pass or who's trying to pass you, but it's not like groups of people. And then it just becomes so fun. Yeah. And all this stuff we've been talking about really only applies to like the first 15 minutes after that it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of people riding through the woods because you get in your position you kind of start spreading out and then by like the end of it uh you know the distance is very but by the end of it you're just pretty much ride as fast as you can by yourself yeah and a lot of times you'll be doing a couple of loops in the same area so it gets easier like as you go through it especially if it's not you know trails that you're familiar with by your third lap, you're like, okay, so here I need to shift down. I've got a hill coming up. I'm going to do this. Like you get a flow into it. And so it's, it's less stressful on the trail as well. You can't tell that just by looking at the trail. Well, I can now, (laughs) but when I started racing, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, especially when you have blind corners, like, can you imagine riding banner blind? No, I I have half of it. Well, yeah, I'd walk the whole thing. So I wouldn't be able to see. I'd be blind. You're going to be blind. Go away. (laughs) So what else do you need to know about the start of a mountain bike race? Oh, my my dear God. Are we going to make this a two-hour episode? Well, do we need to know anything about sign-in? Sign-in. Go in, sign up, get your nameplate. You get a little plate. This applies to gravel, too. Mm-hmm. It's a little piece of paper, essentially. Normally, you get, like, twist ties or, I don't know, pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners. Zip ties. Yeah. yeah. And then you put it on your bike and say so you have a number so they can keep track of you. And then you go and wait until they do the race. Check mm-hmm. over your bike. Check the pressures uh, on a full suspension mountain bike. Tires, tires, pump or fork. Yep. Shock? Shock. <laughs> so, and the only other thing that I will say that really, really matters for a mountain bike race that is less important for a gravel race, make sure you have water that is easily accessible. I do not typically take a hydration pack on gravel rides anymore because it's a lot of water on my back. That is the only thing I will take on a mountain bike race because I can grab the tube, shove it in my mouth and put my hand back on the bars and be in full control of the bike. I get done drinking. I spit the water tube out. It just hangs down. I don't care. I'm going like I have water. If you have to get water out of your bike cage, make sure you're comfortable with that. Like there are people who do it, but I've seen people like try to do that and they drop their water bottle And they have to make the choice to either go back and get it and let four people pass them or they just don't have water now. Like if you can avoid it, don't use a water bottle on a mountain bike race, because if you drop it, you are out of luck. And usually they're so fast, except for the marathon, that Mm -hmm. that going back to pick up a water bottle is crazy. It is a bad idea. Like, and Anthony started out with a $20 hydration pack from Walmart. Like if you're just getting started and you don't want to invest in a Camelback, you can find something. I highly recommend that because you really, really, really want to be able to drink water so you don't cramp up. And if you can't afford that or you just have a water bottle and want to try it out once, that's fine. Just yeah. be very careful because once you drop it, just, you'll, you, you'll want to get it again. Yeah, know that going into it and be cognizant of it. So, yeah, I think that would be the most important things that I would have to say about both gravel and mountain biking. Now, what do we say to road riding? I'm Road not, racing. I'm not going to say anything. We say, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither of us have a road bike. So, like... I can take my cross bike. Yeah. We'll get into cross later, probably. Ooh, yeah. Cross would be fun. We, we should do talk that about this that year? as well. If they've got races. Okay. Heard it here. Jen said she's going to do a cross race this year again. Oh, I love cross in the fall. That's fun. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, they, it's the only place where I found hurdles in the, as an adult. They don't let you run hurdles as an adult. They make you do stupid 5Ks. Like, come on. I want hurdles. 
They have them in cross. This is awesome. Anthony doesn't care about hurdles. <laughs> Anyhow, if you have any questions about gravel races or rides or whatever you want to call them, or mountain bike racing, please let us know. We would be more than happy to talk to you about it. And if it's a question that we can't answer, I guarantee that we know somebody who can answer it and we can put you in contact with them. Yeah. yeah. Join, sign up for an event, come find us. If you don't know what you're doing, ask me or Jen, we'll tell you. We really need to get bottom bracket jerseys made. No, we're not that pretentious yet. Yeah, but like then we're at least recognizable. I have a bright blue helmet. Come find me. Yeah. If it's not me, it's my friend Aubrey who has the exact same helmet. And I'm Anthony. Come find me. <laughs> but but I mean, seriously, though, if, if you are at your first event and you have any and you are nervous, just mm-hmm. message us like, oh, do I need to bring this? Yeah, we'll, we'll help you. We don't have anything else to do. <laughs> Well, that's not true, but we we really want more people to get into this, so we'll absolutely make the time. Yeah, we would love to see more people at any event, really. It, it, it'd be fun to have everyone in Iowa. Everyone? Every Everybody. Oh my goodness, that yep. would be a lot of people. So, yep. Okay, well, I think that's everything for today. Until next time, you can find us potentially at an event near you. Otherwise, on Instagram at bottom.bracket.biking. And as always, ride dirt, not mud. Thanks for listening.